beloved, we're looking today as we are uh, closing in on the end of our study in Genesis, just two more lessons after this one, but we're looking at Genesis 48. I got a new Bible. I know this is uh, first world problems, but I declare I cannot find a thing in it. It is just absolutely because my old one, which is about 15 years old, that's typically how long I keep one. I have it so written up, I can't read the words anymore. So I have this new one, but I declare the things are not in the right order. But anyways, today we're going to be looking at Genesis 48. The transformational truth that we're thinking about this week in our study is blessings in part belonging the assurance of being fully accepted. Oh, how we rejoice with Jacob having spent the last 17 years of his life with Joseph and his family in Egypt living in Goshen. His family has been reconciled and reunited. All 12 sons and their extended families are living in near proximity to the aging patriarch. And so he is enjoying life the last 17 years, the latter years being greater than the former years. Just 17 years earlier, on the occasion of being presented to Pharaoh, he declares the sum total of his years have been few and unpleasant. But now we see, now we see Jacob as he is approaching his death. His testimony is one of great and deep faith and joyful gratitude for God's faithfulness and providential care all the days of his life. We see a a changed man. Years of sorrowing over the loss of Joseph and over the loss of uh, uh, Rachel, the, the wife that he loved dearly, scarred him. But here in his latter years, we see that Jacob has become a man of faith and a man who trusts in the Lord implicitly. So the first thing I want to talk to you about... It's what I call the bedside. Would you look in Genesis 48, beginning in verse 1. Now, it came about after these things that Joseph was told, Behold, your father is sick. He evidently is failing. And so he took his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim, with him. These boys were probably uh, in their early 20s. And so he takes the two boys, his two sons, with him. Now, do you remember what the boys' names mean? Beloved, this is so significant that I hope you will allow the Spirit of God to deeply imprint this upon your heart and upon your mind. But Manasseh means God has made me forget all of my trouble and all of my father's household. And then Ephraim was born, and his name means God has made me fruitful in the land of my affliction. Both of these are names of great faith and great meaning. Well, look with me again here in Genesis 48, verse uh, 2. And when it was told to Jacob that his father was failing, behold, his son Joseph has come to you. Let me try that again. When it was told to Jacob, behold, your son Joseph has come to you. Israel, that is Jacob, collected his strength and he sat up in the bed, probably sitting on the side of the bed, leaning on his staff. You recall that uh, when the angel of the Lord wrestled with him and touched his hip, that for the rest of his life he walked leaning on his staff. 
And so, um, verse 3, then Jacob said to Joseph, God Almighty appeared to me at Luz, or Bethel, in the land of Canaan, and blessed me. And he said to me, behold, I will make you fruitful and numerous. I will give you a company of people, and I will give this land to your descendants after you for an everlasting possession. And now the two sons who were born to you in the land of Egypt before I came to you in Egypt are mine. That is, he intends to adopt Manasseh, the oldest, and Ephraim as his own and giving them the same uh, standing as the other sons. And it is because his oldest sons, Reuben and Simeon, uh, have disgraced him terribly as well as Reuben. And verse uh, 6, he says, But your offspring that are born after them shall be yours, and they shall be called by the name of their brothers in their inheritance. Now, as for me, when I came from Padam, Rachel died to my sorrow. In the land of Canaan, on the journey, when there was still some distance to go, I buried her there on the way to uh, Ephrath, that is Bethlehem. So let's talk for a moment about uh, Jacob in his bedside. So he, he calls Joseph, and Joseph immediately, although he's busy there in the palace tending to the affairs of the state, he immediately gets his two sons and goes to Jacob to be there, knowing that the time of his demise is very close. Now, Jacob, it's so interesting what he says here. Now, this is not the words, and so Jacob now is sitting on the side of his bed, leaning on his staff. Joseph arrives with both of his sons. Ephraim is the younger and Manasseh is the older. But look in verse 5, there Jacob turns their names, flips their names and says, Ephraim and Manasseh shall be mine. Now birthrights were very important. And so for him to switch their names, the uh, younger ahead of the older was most unusual. And he tells Joseph that two times God has appeared to him. And this is so significant. The first one is after the deception of, um, um, the deception of uh, Jacob when they, uh, when he, and, uh, when he stole the birthright from his brother Esau. And Esau promised to kill him just as soon as their father Isaac died. Dr. Rogers describes this time when uh, Joseph, or excuse me, when Jacob met the Lord for the first time. And he says this in his sermon, Dying Grace. There he is out there in the desert, sentenced with death, shrouded in darkness, there he was, out there in the desert, sentenced with death, shrouded in darkness, surrounded by desert, alone, fearful. He had hurt others. He had hurt himself. And he is in a place of alienation. He is in a place of separation. He is in a place of, thank God, confrontation. Because the Lord meets him there. He has a dream and he sees the ladder. And that ladder goes up all the way to heaven, and there were angels descending and ascending down upon that ladder. Up and down they went, and God said to Jacob a mighty revelation of himself. And Jacob said, God will be my God. This is when
when he was saved, when he was born again. So that's the first time the Lord spoke with, to him and met with him was the time of his salvation. The second time was after the disaster in Shechem when Simeon and Levi wiped out all of the men there. And uh, uh, Jacob was horrified by what they did. It was because they, um, one of the men had raped their sister Diana. And when they took revenge, they just wiped out everybody. And so at this encounter, the second time God meets with him, he says, your name is Jacob, but you shall no longer be Jacob, but Israel shall be your name. So at the end of his life, 147 years of living, the thing that means the most to him is that, first of all, he met God. And second of all, God gave him a new name. One event has to do with changing his nature, and one has to do with changing his name. How glorious. And now at the end of his life, the thing that is most important to him is one, that he knows God and God knows him, and two, that he has a new name. In the book of Revelation, it's in chapter 2, verse 17, John writes that all believers will receive a new name to everyone who is victorious I will give some of the manna that has been hidden away in heaven and I will give to each one a white stone and on the stone will be engraved a new name that no one understands except the one who receives it beloved we have a new nature in Christ. We have a new name in heaven. So rejoice, beloved. We belong to the Lord Jesus Christ, and he belongs to us. He has given us his word. He has given us the spirit of God to dwell within us, and one day we will be gathered home where we do belong. Beloved, we have so much to rejoice in. And it turns out that at the end of his life, Jacob, in these last 17 years, perhaps even being mentored and discipled by Joseph, we don't know, but we see a man of great faith and dedication. Jacob announces that he's claiming Joseph's two sons as his own. He will elevate his grandson's standing in the family above his actual sons, Reuben and Simeon. The death of his darling Rachel is fresh on his mind. I think he is eagerly anticipating going to be with her. It is fitting, therefore, that her firstborn, who is Joseph, will be given the inheritance rights of the firstborn. So Jacob gave the double portion to Joseph by bringing in Ephraim and Manasseh as full sons. It is his final tribute to the memory of the woman he loved so deeply. So that's the bedside. Let's talk for a moment about the blessing. Look with me now in chapter 48 and verse 8. Now Israel saw Joseph's son and he said, well, who are these? Now, his eyes were dim, and he couldn't quite make them out. And Joseph said, well, these are my two sons. And uh, Jacob says, well, bring them to me as he prepares to bless them. And uh, look in verse 11. Israel says to Joseph, I never expected to see your face. And behold, God has let me see your children as well. The joy that is in his heart is so significant because just 17 years ago, he declared his life was a miserable bunch of unpleasant years. 
And now he is rejoicing in the goodness of God. And so he takes the two boys and draws them close. And as he does, the scripture says that uh, Joseph bowed before his father. Such an attitude of humility. Remember, he is second only to Pharaoh in Egypt. And yet he bows before his father to honor him. And I wonder if in that moment, as Jacob focuses his eyes on his son, who is bowing all the way to the ground, I wonder if in that moment they didn't both remember the dreams that God had given Joseph as a young 17-year-old boy. When Joseph saw that his father and his brothers were going to be bowing down before him. Well, Dallas Willard defined blessing as the projection of good into the life of another. It isn't just words. It's the actual putting forth of your will for the good of another. So in this portion of scripture that we're looking at, there is a very tender exchange between Joseph and Jacob and the two grandsons. Hebrews eleven twenty one says, By faith, Jacob, as he was dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph and worshipped, leaning on the top of his staff. That is, the blessing caused him to worship the Lord. And uh, Joseph brings his sons in close, and we just see how Jacob is overwhelmed. And look to see in verse 15, it says that he, that is Jacob, blessed Joseph. That is the blessing the two sons receive is actually a blessing upon Joseph. And uh, Israel, or Jacob said, the Lord before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked, the God who has been my shepherd, my life to this day, the angel, and that's most likely a reference to the angel of the Lord who had wrestled with him. He says that the angel who has redeemed me from all evil, bless the lads and may my name live on in them, the names of my father, Abraham and Isaac, and may they grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth. He is speaking prophetically here. So at this point, Joseph notices that as his father gave the blessing, Ephraim had been on his left-hand side and Manasseh, the oldest, had been on his right-hand side. But as Jacob commenced with the blessing, he crossed his hands. So the younger received the firstborn blessing. It, uh, the scripture says um, that uh, it's in verse 17, when Joseph saw his father laid his right hand on Ephraim's head, it displeased him and he grasped his father's hand to remove it from Ephraim's hand and he wanted him to do it the, the way that typically it should have been done. And perhaps he even thought his father was a tiny bit confused, but uh, Joseph says to his father, not so my father, for this one is the firstborn. Please place your right hand on his head. But his father refused and said, I know my son, I know he also will become a people and he will be great. That is Manasseh. However, his younger brother, that is Ephraim, shall be greater than he, and his descendants shall become a multitude of nations. He blessed them that day, saying, by you Israel will pronounce a blessing, saying, may God make you like Ephraim and Manasseh. This became a blessing, and it is to this day among the Jews. They continue to say, may God make you like Ephraim. 
Ephraim and Manasseh. Beloved, it's sort of like when you and I say, well, bless your heart. That's sort of what this means. Uh, they're calling down a blessing using Ephraim and Manasseh as uh, the, the root cause for that blessing. It, uh, and it's so unusual that the younger superseded the older in receiving the firstborn blessing. In the book, The Belonging, your workbook, it says for the fifth time in the book of Genesis, we meet a reversal of the birth order. God has cho had chosen Abel, not Cain, Isaac, not Ishmael, Jacob, not Esau, and Joseph, not Reuben. And now he would choose Ephraim over Manasseh. Oh my goodness, what a reminder that God's ways are not our ways. And so the history of Israel will reveal that God's sovereign hand was upon the hands of Jacob when he laid his hands upon Joseph's son. This is the blessing. Now, beloved, I've been involved with uh, working with women long enough to know that there are some of you who have a history of family that understand how to give a proper blessing. There are many of you who come from uh, generations of strong believers and people who have understood the power of words. And you're sitting out there right now praising the Lord that you received the family's blessing. That is your family desired for God to do great things in your life and they urged you on in the faith. But I also know there's some of you out there who feel like you have never received a blessing. When Craig and I were in Uganda back in uh, July, you know that he fell our very first night in Kenya. So we were in Kenya for about 11 days, and then uh, Craig and I drove over to Uganda. He was in miserable pain. It was a very challenging trip, although my, you know my husband is very optimistic. And every day he just believed he was going to be so much better, but it was a very, very hard trip. Well, we had to fly in country from Kenya to the area that we would go to teach Pioneer Evangelist. And um, they helped us arrange for wheelchair assistance in the airport. I've never done that before. Very, very grateful for it uh, because my husband was having a hard time standing, a hard time sitting, a hard time walking. And they picked us up and whisked us through um, the check-in and uh, through security and then got us down there. Well, they helped us get him up on the plane which was no small thing because it was a small plane that you had to walk up six steps. But we got the man on the plane. So when we landed, oh goodness, when we landed, here came three young people. I'm going to say early 20s. And they're going to help us. And man, they jumped in and they grabbed our backpacks and they got our carry-on luggage for me. And they helped Mr. Stockdale down the stairs. He was having to move very, very slow. He was the last one off the plane. And, and they stood in front of him and I stood behind him. And we somehow got him off the plane into a wheelchair. And so the young, a young girl who looked, like I said, 22, something like that, she's pushing us into the airport. And so my husband is talking with her and he's thanking her. I can hear him uh, saying uh, kind words to her. He is tipping all of them. We're so extremely grateful for their help. And uh, we are big tippers. I want you to know that. And so he's tipping all of them. And, and uh, so we get into the airport and she said, now who's picking you up? And we never know. It's just someone knows what we look like and they eventually find us. And so we're saying, well, there is a driver coming to get us, but we don't know 
his name, but he'll, he'll surely be here soon. And so she said, well, I'm not leaving until your driver gets here because uh, there, he's going to have to park way out there. And she said, I want to be able to roll your husband all the way out there. And so I just leaned into her and I said, you're just so kind. You just don't know how stressful this is to have this kind of uh, injury uh, out of the country. And you've just been so kind and so helpful. Thank you so very, very much. We're just so very grateful. She burst into tears. And I, I, I was rethinking, what did I just say? Uh, so uh, I, I'm telling you, tears start streaming down. And I leaned in and I said, oh, I didn't mean to make you cry. And this is what she said. No one has ever spoken such kind words to me in my whole life. How do you get to be 22 and no one has affirmed you? No one has blessed you? No one has encouraged you? No one has built you up? And so we just stood there with her and finally began to hug on her. And she said, I'm not kidding. No one's ever been as kind as you have been. Oh, it just about broke my heart to think you could get that age. And never received a blessing. But I happen to know, uh, I'm quite confident anyways, that many of you are in that same state. That you long to hear a blessing from your parents, your family. And yet no one ever gave you a blessing. Now perhaps they were unbelievers. Perhaps they were believers, but they didn't understand the power of words. Beloved, words have such power. That is why you and I can remember unkind words that were said to us when we were four years old. We cannot remember what we had for breakfast yesterday. But those hard things, those harsh things, those unkind things, those critical things, sometimes those sarcastic things. I do not like sarcasm because so often it is veiling a truth with humor. Amen? And so it's very dangerous. And while I know some of you didn't come up that way, some of you did. I got good news for you. Ephesians chapter 1 tells us that God, in fact, would you turn to Ephesians chapter 1? If you've been studying with me for very long, you know. And where in the world is Ephesians in this Bible? Oh, let's see. I know I've... Oh, look. There we go. There we go. Ephesians chapter 1. Look in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us. He has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. I'm here to tell you, if you have never received a blessing from your earthly father, if you are in Christ, you are blessed beyond measure. Every spiritual blessing is ours in Christ Jesus. Now, I'm sorry if you were not blessed as you grew up. I'm sorry if teachers were cruel or, or your peer group was unkind or your parents didn't understand this principle. But I'm here to tell you it's okay because God, the Father, has blessed us through Christ. And beloved, that is Good news. That is good, good news that we are blessed in Christ Jesus. 
so how thankful we are that we, even if we have never received the blessing from our family, how thankful I am that in Christ, in the body of Christ, we have been blessed. Romans 8, 17 says God has made us heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ Jesus. He has elevated us to his own dear son. God's greatest blessings always rest in himself. Beloved, when we have him, we have all we need. Well, we've thought about the bedside, and we've thought about the blessing, and we'll think now about the belonging. Because blessings, in part, belonging, the assurance of being accepted. That's what blessings are, beloved. It's a guarantee that we have been accepted in the kingdom of God and acceptable in Christ Jesus. Look with me in verse 21. And then uh, uh, Israel said to Joseph, behold, I'm about to die, but God will be with you and bring you back to the land of your fathers. I give you one portion more than your brothers, which I took from the hand of the Amorite with my sword and my bow. Again, he is speaking prophetically. Egypt is a place of sojourning for a period of time. But Canaan, the promised land, that's the covenant land with God. That's the place God will take them back, although it would be a number of years before that happened. Blessings, beloved, impart belonging. If you are in Christ, you belong to him. And one day he will take us home to heaven where we belong. We are aliens and pilgrims. We are walking through this pilgrim's path. But this is not our home. It's not our home. Oh, if we could begin to live with that kind of biblical worldview that our God is a good father. And he only does good. Beloved, it would cause so much joy in our lives. It would cause the joy bells to start ringing and for the joy to start bubbling up and spilling out on others. I have a prompt, so I'm going to have to walk over here to get it. So, several years ago, on a very, very, very cold day... Now, it's just so interesting because, uh, as you know, with the medicine I have to take uh, after my cancer journey, it's causing hot flashes. And they have told me I'm going to have them for the next 10 years. So that, you do the math, that means that when I'm almost 80, I'm still going to be having hot flashes. Thank you so much. But if I'm not burning up, then I am freezing. And so on this particular day, I ran to Kroger's to get some groceries. And on this particular day, it was so cold that it had been snowing. And so I put on this coat and I put on a scarf. I had on gloves. I had on a hat uh, with a big pom-pom on the top because if you're going to wear one, you know, why not? And 
I had on my sunglasses. Now, the air was so cold that my eyes were just pouring tears as I tried to get into Kroger's. And I was in a huge hurry. So I didn't take off my gloves and I didn't even take off my sunglasses because my eyes were just tearing so much. And so I'm pushing my cart very quickly and I hear a man behind me speak. Uh, and I'm assuming it's to someone else. And he says, ma'am, I think that you may have a tear in your coat. And I was thinking, well, he's not talking to me because I, I don't have a tear in my coat. And so he gets up beside me and says, ma'am, I think you have a tear in your coat. I said, I have a tear in my coat? And he walks on and y'all, I look behind me and there were feathers everywhere. <laughs> Evidently, right at the hem in the back of my coat, had unraveled, and as I was walking, I'm telling you, I, not a few, I'm talking about it looked like a pillow fight gone bad. I'm telling you, there was a trail of feathers behind me. And I was thinking, could that be me? And so I took my coat off and I looked, and sure enough, right at the bottom, the hem in the back, there was a little gap, and feathers were just pouring out everywhere. So I had to get those few things I needed. And so I'm walking through Kroger's and y'all, I'm just leaving a trail every which away. And now I'm getting really tickled about it. And so I go out to my car and at that time I was driving a little Honda Accord and it had bucket seats and I opened the door and when I sat down and slid into the car, I'm telling you the feathers erupted and filled my whole car. To the point I got out of my car because I was worried about sucking them down. And frankly, y'all, I was laughing so hard I couldn't get myself under control. And so I got out and when I closed the door, my whole little car looked like a snow globe that had been shaken violently. I got so tickled. I was leaning on the hood of my car laughing myself silly. And I was just thinking of the scene I had just created. How as I was walking along, I was just leaving this trail of fluff. And these were not little feathers. This coat is evidently stuffed with big pieces of down and large feathers. Well, this is my illustration. And this is my spiritual application. I know you're wondering where I'm going with that. But in the same way that I was leaving a trail of feathers... When you and I understand who we are in Christ, when you and I get it into our hearts and into our minds that God is in control and he is sovereignly working in every aspect of our lives, that he cares for us providentially, that he loves us more than anything, the scripture teaches that he is seeing over us. When we get that mindset, I am telling you that as we walk through this pilgrim's path, we begin to sprinkle joy all along the way. This lost world has no right to joy. That's for believers. We have the joy of the Lord. It's our strength through Christ Jesus. And yet, beloved, this world may know, this lost world may know moments of happiness, but they cannot know joy. That, beloved, is for God's people. And when we step into it, even though there are times of sorrowing and suffering and 
tears come. And I told you last week that I began to eat chocolate when I got stressed enough. I, I went to Walmart this week to get groceries, and I walked over there to all the chocolate, and I just stood there and said, not today, not today, not today. But it may come back to that. But when you and I begin to understand, it is Christ in us, the hope of glory, and that he is preparing a place, and that one day we're going to be home where we belong. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you that it reminds us that you are a good God, that you are faithful and true. And Father, for every woman out here, every woman online that is suffering and sorrowing because they have never received the blessing, Lord Jesus, would you remind them that in Christ they have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. Father, we thank you for who we are in Christ and who he is in us. Father, would you bless these precious women, your daughters, who have gathered today, Lord Jesus, to fellowship and commune with you and other believers. And Father, would you bless our time as we enjoy lunch and fellowship with each other. But Father, when we leave this place, may we have a fresh sense of the joy of the Lord working in our hearts and lives. We love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.